mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Today's episode has been sponsored by Jay McLaughlin. Jay McLaughlin is a timeless lifestyle brand with incredible style and a spirit of connection. I am obsessed with Jay McLaughlin and have been so honored that they are sponsoring my Zibiverse tour. It just so happens that the tour goes to so many communities and areas of the country that have Jay McLaughlin stores. And I love that the brand is philanthropic through Jay McLaughlin's local and loyal programming host store events to give back to organizations that are meaningful to Jay McLaughlin's local communities. I also love the fact that the clothes are just so chic. They make me feel polished and modern. And the best part is that most of the line comes in fabrics that don't wrinkle. I especially love the dresses, the cashmere sweaters, the other sweaters. You'll see them all over my Instagram. I typically tag at Jay McLaughlin. And so you can check it out. It is absolutely one of my favorite brands and I am over the moon excited to be working with them. In fact, I want to share the love with all of you. Jay McLaughlin is giving 20% off new customers and listeners of my podcast with special code ZIBBY20. Capital Z-I-B-B-Y 20. That's 20% off for new customers and listeners of the podcast with special code capital Z Zibby 20. Take advantage of it today. My favorites are this white open long cashmere sweater that I've been wearing on every flight that I've taken on this tour. I have a blue with light blue horizontal striped sweater, several dresses I even wore on Corny America. Check it out. Jay McLaughlin. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com. Com and definitely check out those shows as well. Sonali Dave is the author of The Vibrant Years, a novel. USA Today bestselling author Sonali Dave writes Bollywood-style love stories that explore universal 
issues. This is her second time on the podcast, and actually she contributed to Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids, my second anthology. And you can read her essay there and also watch the two of us together on Good Morning America live on Pub Day. Her novels have been named Best Books of the Year by Library Journal, NPR, The Washington Post, and Kirkus. She has won numerous accolades, including the American Library Association's Award for Best Romance, the RT Reviewer Choice Award for Best Contemporary Romance, multiple RT Seals of Excellence. She's been a Rita finalist and has been listed for the Dublin Literary Award. Shelf Awareness calls her not only one of the best, but one of the bravest romance novelists working today. Sonali lives in Chicagoland with her husband, two visiting adult children, and the world's most perfect dog. And this book was a Mindy's Book Studio publication. Welcome, Sonali. Thank you so much for coming on Mom's End of Time to Read Books again to discuss The Vibrant Years, your latest novel. Congratulations. Thank you so much for having me, Zibi. It's always such a joy to uh, speak with you, so I can't wait. Oh, yay. Okay. First of all, The Vibrant Years is a Mindy's Book Studio inaugural pick. Tell us about Mindy Kaling's Mindy's Book Studio, how it ended up at Amazon. Like, Give me the whole rundown and what happened when you got picked and what that was like. So the whole backstory. Oh my gosh, that's going to be like all of our 30 minutes. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Because as you can imagine, I think for me personally, the first thing to put out there is that, you know, I would have been thrilled to have any celebrity, right? Because that's your reach, right? What you want. The only thing an author wants, and certainly the only thing I want is more people to read my work. That's all I want. I just want millions and millions of people to read my work. And right now, one of the best ways, most effective ways for that to happen is, you know, to to have a celebrity get behind you, somebody who has a really big megaphone getting behind you. But the fact that it was Mindy, you know, I mean, it's impossible to explain how special that is and how meaningful, because for almost for more than 20 years now, she has been, I think, one of uh, one of the most impressive writers to me. What she's able to do with um, with humor mixed in with vulnerability and a very human place. Her humor humor comes from a place where we literally, you know, open ourselves up to exactly who we are all the way on the inside. And I think this is all the way from uh, The Office. My children are obsessed with The Office, uh, like everybody else's um, teenagers and uh, young adults. But um, but I think that and, and the movement she has made, I know, uh, you know, we've all, um, all of us who who are authors of color and um, you know aren't haven't had space on the shelves who've been told our voices aren't what everybody wants she is someone who has actually moved that you know she um, is someone who has changed the landscape for all of us and so she's a very special figure even you know it, it, it just for me what I've looked to the pandemic uh, for me was a was something I survived so healthfully because of humor. So I sought it out. It literally was, I, whether it was stories or TV or movies, that's what I sought out. And that's what, you know, had me going to bed smiling at a time when that was hard to do. And so when I came out of the pandemic with my own writing, I knew that was going to be one change I was going to make. I was going to make the effort to make people laugh, you know, while still telling the kind of stories I want to tell, but uh, making people laugh was such a healing thing. I wanted to do it. And I I kind of took a lot of Mindy's work and analyzed it and kind of in terms of craft really got into it. 
Having said all of that, when I wrote The Vibrant Years, I just wrote The Vibrant Years as this story I wanted to tell, you know, everything I've ever wanted to say about being a woman. And it's one of those preparation meets opportunity things because Mindy was out there, you know, trying to, again, use her platform to get marginalized voices or voices that haven't had a megaphone out to people. And um, and that was entirely serendipitous. And the way I found out, the funny story is, then my editor at uh, Lake Union at Amazon calls me or emails me on a Thursday and says, Sonali, I have really great news for you. Can we meet on Monday? And I said, what? <laughs> and I'm like, it's Thursday. Give me something. And she said, all I'll give you is that you're not going to be upset with me on, mon- on Monday for making you wait. And uh, it was, it was, you know, I think the most restless, excited weekend of my life. Wait, why and- did, why couldn't she tell you on Thursday? I think it was the day of announcement. You know, it was, that, that was a day that they could announce it. Okay. And, and they wanted to announce it with Mindy's entire team on the phone call. And, you know, that I was see. Okay. So it was the only time in my life for an entire hour that I was speechless, that phone call. And I was like, I can make words, you know, but right now I just need to be silent. I was completely, the words were completely, you know, delighted and shocked out of me. I talked a lot, you know, on subsequent calls, but I was completely silent. I was just shocked out of my mind and so <laughs> thrilled. So it's been, it's been great. Wow. And did you, do you actually work with her? Like, have you gotten to know her? I have met her and hugged her, which is, you know, we just probably like don't shower after that creepy thing. (laughs) But, but I've gotten to meet her and I have a very strong, um, you know, opinions that are very inspirational about how she conducts herself, uh, you know, and uses the space she has. But it's her team uh, that I have mostly worked with. And they are, um, this is the most taken care of I have ever felt after almost a decade in publishing. And this is my ninth book and my, I mean, my ninth full novel and my 11th book. And it's been an absolute dream. And I don't mean that, you know, I mean that with 100% honesty. That's amazing. Is calling it the studio, and then I want to talk about this actual book. Does this mean that that these your book in particular, but all books, is the plan for them to all become screen adaptations? Is this like a Hello Sunshine model? I think that that is the vision. I think that the stories are cinematic. I have read the one that comes after mine, and it is absolutely brilliant. It's by Lauren Thorman, and it's called I'll Stop the World. And um, it, it it truly is. I'm not just saying that again because it is Mindy's book studio, but it is this genre-leaping kind of time travel, 80s nostalgia kind of book. And, and I think that it's... I think one of the things, of course, is to get voices that aren't, you know, to give them uh, a megaphone, but also I think cinematic, large, you know, stories that leap off the page and would make good screen adaptations is certainly one part of her vision. Wow. Okay. Now, The Vibrant Years. Tell listeners what The Vibrant Years is about, please. Oh, so it it's a, a story of three generations of women in Florida. And this, for me, one of the things was, I, I, I like to say this is everything I've ever wanted to say about a woman. I mean, about being a woman. And um, Bindu is what how I feel we are, go, you know, the, the 65-year-olds I've seen, I always felt like, like what I've seen in the media and in fiction, women after a certain age 
become have have been turned into tropes they're either you know the the body sexy for humor you know comedic um, relief grandmother or then this font of wisdom you know which feels like you're you know you're, you're half a person and you don't stop being a full person as you age and so uh, you know your desire doesn't go away your your need for growth does, doesn't go away all of that so so the grandmother is this hot uh you know hot, hot sexy very fun um grandmother who has just moved into a posh retirement community because she inherited a million dollars. And of course, the, doll, the the money is related to something shameful from her past that completely changed the trajectory of her life. And her um, daughter-in-law, uh, who is divorced from her son, she has chosen to live with her daughter-in-law after the divorce. So there is Ali, who is uh, trying to make it in... Um, broadcast journalism in television in um, Florida and come up against all sorts of, you know, glass ceilings as a brown woman. And then there's Kali, who is this, um, you know, who has suffered, who's this genius coder. And um, she's always suffered from anxiety. And at the age of 16, she finds, she writes an app to help herself. And and it becomes, and of course, the, the app becomes a big thing. And right now, millions of people use it, you know, to deal with their own anxiety on a day-to-day basis and she's going to lose the uh, those people are going to lose that app because the company that she sold it to wants to slap a subscription fee on it so to save her app she pitches this half-assed idea of a dating app that's based on self-discovery which comes from this conversation she has you know with her grandmother and of course they lap it up problem is she's never dated in her life. And so now she has to come up with this app. And what better way to research existing dating apps than to have your, you know, your widowed grandmother and your divorced mom research them with you. So it's these three generations of women on the modern dating scene. And yeah, and I think it's a metaphor for how far women have come because how we choose, you know, how our grandmothers chose their, uh, you know, their life partners and how our daughters are choosing them is if that's not a paradigm shift and if that does not, um, you know, is not a snapshot for how far we've now come in terms of choices, I don't know what it is. So I had a lot of fun with it. Wow. I know. I think about my grandmother and how she ended up with my grandfather and he like actively pursued her, even though she wasn't really that into it. You know, she was like, eh, I don't know. And I guess uh, he had asked her to go on some trip with him uh, or something and, or she had to go on a trip and she didn't want to go with him. And he was upset. Anyway, when she got home, he was sitting in her living room with her parents and was like, look, it's mom and dad, you know? And she's like, <laughs> What? (laughs) She's like, oh, well, might as well. Anyway, that lasted, I don't know, 30 years or something. So it's just so funny, you know, and I think about my daughter and uh, anyway, it's just crazy. Crazy, crazy. It's complete. It's like, it's universes apart. It's, you know, my my grandparents met in med school in colonial India and, you know, and and they, it was literally like they were... they were from the same part of India, all of that, but different sub subcasts and their family. They had to elope. They, they had to run away. My great grandfather got after my grandfather with you know with a gun for ruining the family's honor. Oh my gosh! So it was this whole drama? But yes, completely, uh, completely different time. But just even in terms of what women look for and how they look for it, right? It it it's it's a it's it's the best 
metaphor for our entire, like how we live our lives now and how different it is. I know all this customization. Does it actually work better? I don't know. That's like the big question. It's sort of everything. (laughs) So much access. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a swipe, right? So when you have, when the choices are infinite, you're still the one making the choice mm-hmm. and uh you know and and that the the pressure of that is a whole different thing you know <laughs> it's true mom deserves better than a drugstore card this mother's day surprise her with a truly special personalized card from moonpig add your favorite photos a heartfelt message and we'll even mail it for you the same day all for just $5 from mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And you're so funny the way you write about everything. I know you said you love Mindy's humor and I feel like your own sense of humor is so great, (laughs) especially the way you have entering the old age, the vibrant years when you're so funny too. And you're like, why would you call it palm shade, palm shady palms? Like palms don't even give you any shade. Like what is up with that? You know, and, and also how even as a woman going into a you know retirement community there is still that middle school anxiety about friend groups and cliques and oh well you know all those women want they only want to talk to my friend and they don't want to talk to me and you know it's like it doesn't go away none of the things go away they really don't and i think that there's another whole layer that's added to immigration for one right because you're you're literally leaving your comfort zone to go into this new place. Now, I have, I have, I have opinions about uh, immigrant narratives. I think that that there is a difference between my I, my brother and I are, you know, we're just two of us, and I I always say he's a tree and I'm a nomad, and I think that that there's an essential difference between a person who cannot or does not want to be outside of where they're planted and a person who whose eyes are on what's outside you know what what more is there and so there is this inherent sense of adventure i think that has to go with immigration whether it comes from a place of being a refugee or just you know migrating for opportunity or whatever you know to leave your home and go to another place and make that your home you just have to have a certain base dna you know that is different and having said that the the sense of being an outsider is is a whole different level, 
right? Because and that is, I think, a big difference between between first generation and the immigrant itself. I have that life experience where I have children that are born and raised here. This is the only home they've known. I came here when I was a grown adult, you know, so there's a lot of nuance that goes into my books because I'm continuously exploring, you know, what that means in terms of the human journey. But for Bindu, I think that, uh, you know, so many things that were absolutely not a possibility in the way that she was raised. And again, I think this is universal, right? The way what women were told about themselves back then and what, you know, what, what is possible for us now is entirely different. And we carry all that baggage, right, into this. And in the end, it becomes about us laying down our conditioning because the world is no longer telling us to hold it. But it's still armor that we've, you know, we've grown and um, nurtured for so long. So I think for her also that idea that suddenly there's this whole world and there's this whole culture and, you know, that she has not gotten to be a part of. And her question is why? Mm -hmm. And when she was very young, she was this fearless person who completely owned her body and owned herself and it was beaten out of her you know by circumstance as a very young person and she put that little piece of herself away and then did the best she could and now here she is and she's like the best I could is not you know is not all I can do and so I think one of the reasons of that that whole I always think of it as uh, as standing outside a window with your nose pressed against the glass and that sense is such a part of, uh, you know, my life. And I think everybody has this, even as a child, the middle school thing, right? When you enter a room, you're entering it with this ball of, you know, ice in your stomach uh, about how you're going to be seen, what that means, right? And you're so conscious. And I think I used to I used to have to chant to myself, there's no spotlight, there's no spotlight, you know? Oh, and wow. got over it. And I think that that's multiplied so many times over when you're the only brown person entering a room, you know? And, and that in, invisibleness, that is really hard to explain. And I think so much of that is her. And she's like, I'm not invisible you know and uh, and and uh, that experience is so much part of that and it's hilarious because you know it's almost like stomping your foot and saying I'm not invisible wow I mean the juxtaposition though of not wanting to be invisible but also not wanting a spotlight on you right? <laughs> you know it's like that happy medium it was so funny I used to be so shy about going to things like, you know, entering new friend group situations when I was younger and everything. And my mother would, you know, encourage me on in like sixth grade and say like, oh, but Sivvy, just be yourself. And I was like, well, who is that? Like what on earth? I don't know. I'm like 12 years old. Leave me alone. Yeah. But there's no, uh, I think it takes until you're much older to realize, no, really nobody was paying attention to you back then at all. Everybody was just thinking about like themselves and how to get through the situation. So yeah, everybody was, you know, sweating it themselves. They didn't yes. have time to think. But no. what a, what a um, gift to have those mothers, right? My mom was like that. She would literally like push me into situations. I mean, you know, uh, w whether it was friend groups, whether we were traveling and I was, you know, the 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 adolescent shyness. I don't want to go ask the museum guy something like, right. you know, right. he's going to think I'm an idiot. And she would make me do those things. Like she would push me and I used to hate it. But what a gift now when I look back, you know, at it. And I think another thing for me with this book and, and, basically just our own relationships with our, you know, previous generations. 
I think, is that sense of standing on their shoulders, right? Where they literally pushed us to have things that were not available to them. And when I think of what that took, right, none of us would be where we are. The world would not be what it is if these women hadn't had that level of generosity where they saw this is the world today. I get only this, but my daughter will get more. She will be more. And then my granddaughter will be more. And I think that to me, that is incredibly important. And to really, uh, you know, give that form in fiction is, um, I'd say it's like one of my, you know, most important missions, just, you know, without sounding um, (laughs) terribly (laughs) self-important. I thought also it was so interesting, this relationship between the daughter-in-law and the mother-in-law, which can be an often completely fraught relationship. And then what happens after the fact? And the fact that not only are they in touch, but living together for a while in the beginning. And, you know, what does it mean? What is that relationship? How you, traditionally it's always such a terrible relationship. I feel like everyone's always picking it apart, but it can be so amazing. So talk about talk about that. I, I think, again, you know, we're, we're told so many lies right from the day we're born. We are told so many lies about how we should look, who we need to be for everybody, you know, how other women are going to treat us. These are things we're literally told. And I think, you know, even before we meet the person we're going to spend the rest of our lives with, we've been told you're going to hate your mother-in-law. Mm -hmm. Because she's going to be in competition with you, right? We're just told that. Now, there is so much history for why that is. And it's not always untrue, but there's so much history. It is the fact that, you know, traditionally women were given only the domestic space to succeed. And so, of course, there was a power struggle just the way at the office men have that power struggle. Right. But but when they go through it, it's just called work. And it's, you know, they're, you know, they're praised. Sorry, they're praised for, you know, for fighting that fight and finding their footing. And and in the domestic space, we are laughed at, right? Oh, look at you women, you bicker. And oh, look at you women in this power struggle. That's literally our entire identity, right? Generationally in the past. And so this thing was literally set up. We were set up, you know, and I always feel like my my mother-in-law, and I are as different, uh, you know, being from the same culture, we're culturally as different as two women can be. She has, um, you know, she's she's basically never left a one mile re- radius from the day she was born to I think the time that she was 70. She has she, she sleeps in a sari, right? She is so her world is has been very contained because of circumstance, right? And yet here I am, this daughter-in-law who is outside of her comfort zone in every possible way. And the only thing I've ever gotten from her is acceptance and love and encouragement and the sense that you can do this. So why would you not, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it is so beautiful. And it's not just my mother-in-law, they're a joint family. So I have three mothers-in-law, you know, my my, uh, father-in-law and his brothers. And all of these women exactly like that, right? So I literally feel this push from behind me that's also support. And anyone who tells me that that's not possible is you know, it's it's my life. My mom has the same relationship with her daughter-in-law, with my sister-in-law. My mom had the same kind of relationship with her mother-in-law. So it is, we're, we're being lied to. Now, is there, you know, is there a whole, but I have that with my mom, you know, that whole, you annoy me, 
thing is natural. My my daughter feels that way about me. I feel that way about my mom. But to translate that into, oh, you women always hate your mothers-in-law. This is power struggle over the man. I'm like, really? Like this prince is who we're all fighting over? That's what you want us to believe? That we don't have the brains to know ourselves and we're fighting over this, this man who is our gift? So it's, you know, I mean, we have to, I think, so, so much of Ali and uh, Bindu was that, you know, the, the was so much, um, they, and they both treat each other with such care. They both, you know, have taken the time to develop their relationship outside of the sun. And uh, and he has to deal with that, you know, for him again. I mean, the, the patriarchy and this whole uh, structure of society harms men just as much. And I think there's a lot of that in this book where there's so much he wants to do and cannot do because being the breadwinner is his entire identity, which comes from the same place. And so I think that, uh, you know, that 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 was uh, something, again, I had so much fun playing with. Amazing. When we were chatting before, you said you have been hard at work on your next novel. Tell me about that. Oh, boy, a little bit. Um, the Vibrant Tears, you know, is the first time I've written like out and out comedy because, of course, you know, writing dates <laughs> <laughs> updates is you can't you know it's it's fiction you can't come up with anything more bizarre in fiction than happens in real life but this one is a little bit more little bit more uh, sanky uh, you know somber I think it's a story of a best friendship these girls who you know had a friendship where they thought they were each other's soulmates uh, since they were 12 years old and they get into a surrogacy arrangement because one of them is unable to, um, you know, carry a baby. And their friendship breaks up over it 27 years ago. And uh, now the daughter is 27 and she has gone missing. And it's this coming back together of this, um, this, this great love of their lives that they lost over, you know, over, over motherhood and this deal that they made. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> so what else? You're managing all these like 8 million things. Is it mostly writing and marketing of the book and um, any other projects down the line? I mean, as of now, I think it is this. Um, I was just, I, I, I am, like I said, when we first started talking, I'm very intense. I'm a feast and famine writer. So I had the best time, you know, with the Vibrant Tears. It has, I have had some amazing experiences, got to be, um, you know, on the Drew Barrymore show, on GMA, <laughs> like the whole, it's just, it's been like, you know, in terms yeah. of stories, I will tell my grandchildren, it has been so great. And I did that. And then my edits have come in. And and these, you know, these three weeks, I'm completely lost to it. And I complain about, you know, about how immersive it is, how I, you know, don't even have time to take a shower. But I think it's one, <laughs> one of my favorite things about my life that I get to do that, that I get to completely lose myself. And I don't need to be human in my life outside of that. And I'm just right now having so much, so much fun with that. But, you know, come the next year, I have a whole, I have an idea and uh, it's on to the next one. Again, thus far, been really blessed that a story is usually knocking at, you know, my conscience long before I start writing it. And I hope that never changes. That would be my one wish. 
So it's it's just this on to the next book. And I have, you know, a 21-year-old and a 23-year-old. And I'm here to tell you, Zidions, <laughs> that that does not mean that uh, they stop needing you. <laughs> <laughs> the crises stop. So I think I'm a very, very um, filtered down, focused person. It's my writing. It's my children, you know, and the family and really everything else. Um, it, it, if it's there, it's there. If it's not there, it's not there. I'm, I'm able to really like make myself that tiny. Oh my gosh. I love it. And yes, I've heard that about kids and I, <laughs> I'm trying not to, uh, I mean, I think it would be sad if all of a sudden the communication stopped anyway. So I, 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 I'm prepared. I'm prepared for it to not stop. And I love that. So Sonali, I'm so excited for you. I've been watching as this whole ride has happened and all these great things that have gone on with this book and everything. And just like my heart's been swelling for you. I'm just so excited. So anyway. Thank you so much. And same, I mean, you are a mile a minute, the amount <laughs> and everything you do for writers and you're, you know, you're publishing now and I am so excited to follow along. So thank, thank you so much for all you do. Of course. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.